This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. The public inquiry into the use of the Emergencies Act got underway last week. I do want to play some sound from Thursday's opening remarks. Commissioner Paul Rouleau hopes the whole process will be centered around learning. Uncovering the truth is an important goal. When difficult events occur that impact the life, lives of Canadians, the public has a right to know what has happened. But inquiries are also forward-looking. They seek not only to understand what has occurred in the past, but also to learn from those experiences and to make recommendations for the future. Let's bring in Canadian Press Weekend News Editor Michelle McQuig to dive a bit deeper into this story. Hey, good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Dave. So, Michelle, I'm going to be playing a couple of different sounds throughout this segment, but I'm curious. We've only really had a couple of days here of hearings, but Mm -hmm. has anything jumped out to you so far in the way in which the inquiries have unfolded? Well, uh, there was a very interesting development on Friday in that one of the most sort of compelling witnesses to come forward and really set the tone for the inquiry uh, was a disabled resident, and disability concerns were front and center when she spoke. And it was kind of used as a bit of a microcosm to sum up uh, a number of the other issues that are going to be explored over the course of this inquiry. So I'm sure we'll come back and and delve more into what got started there. But I, I was very, very interested to hear about that and to watch that development and to sort of see that focus uh, take center stage in a way that it doesn't normally do. In terms of the inquiry itself, it is going to be really interesting. The, the, the witness list is, is 65 people on it, so that's a lot of people to hear from. But it's really diverse and mixed and interesting. So we're going to be hearing a number of different perspectives over the course of this inquiry. And if all of the testimony is as colorful and vivid and arresting as it was on Friday, this is going to be a more uh, engaging situation than most such inquiries that we see, I think. Michelle, it's almost like we planned this. It's almost like we organized (laughs) this in a particular way, because let's hear from Victoria de Laurent, who is legally blind. She explained that the honking was taking a toll on her hearing in mental health, and she shared the story of trying to get out of downtown during the protest. I begged a friend, could you just please, I, I know you have to walk in and get me out. Can you... Excuse me. Can you just please come and get me out? And she did. And two days later, we both had COVID. So, Michelle, you mentioned that oftentimes accessibility ends up being an afterthought in the way we talk about these things. But that was something that did bramble up here and there throughout the course of the protest in terms of the way the landscape was being set, the way it was impacting people. People with mobility challenges, people who may have been blind or low vision, were not able to either get supplies, get out, get public transit. That was one of the things that the the picture was painted last Friday of what it was like in the downtown core for, for a couple of weeks from a people perspective. Exactly right. And and Victoria Delaron's story was particularly compelling because she talked not only about the immediate impacts of living through that as a disabled woman, uh, she, she talked about the difficulty in hearing her way through downtown. She was trying to navigate as a legally blind person. 
that's something that really, really resonated with me. I struggle with construction noise in my neighborhood, never mind the sounds of big rigs. We've, uh, we've, noticed, asp- we've noticed that turn the news panel here and there, here and now and again. Yeah, oh, oh. <laughs> my apologies. No, that's not, was not, that was not uh, Such is life in my neighborhood. No, no truly, though. I mean, <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's honestly such is life in my neighborhood. It's constant. Anyway, but uh, the other element that made Victoria de la Ronde a really powerful witness, I think, on Friday is because she talked about the longer-term effects of it as well. And that included, for her, increased hearing loss, which is a a very serious outcome, of course. There was some evidence showing that decibel levels outside the area where she lived reached 90 to even 100 decibels. And this went on around the clock for weeks. So uh, they really were able to find a witness who encapsulated so many of the human tolls of this, this convoy and the lasting effects of it for some. Michelle, you mentioned that that personal impact. One of the other pieces of compelling testimony on Friday came from a civil servant, Zexi Lee, who actually filed a court injunction to stop the horn honking. She also described her experience living in the downtown core during the protest. That's really, the right. first thing you notice when you stepped outside was all of the snow because services were unable to be rendered due to the occupation that was going on. And further to that, the snow was often colored yellow or brown due to the public urination and defecation that took place gratuitously. Michelle, that was really last Friday, but it feels like this week we're going to be getting more into some of the legal framework stuff based on the witness list of those who are going to be coming by over the course of this week and next week. That's right. But for those who like a little side of drama with their inquiry testimony, uh, we might be getting some of that too. The, the next set of witnesses they're going to be up are people largely from the city of Ottawa, but quite high up in that, as well as from people who were involved with the Ottawa Police Services Board. Now, you might remember that the Ottawa Police became quite the uh, source of action on, on in their own right mm-hmm. during, the, during the convoy. There was a lot of critiques coming their way about lack of action. At one point, the chief of police actually stepped down because of the convoy response and in the middle of the convoys while they were still ongoing. And it was a different interim police chief who oversaw the the removal of the protesters when that actually did take place. So we're going to be hearing a a bit from uh, Ottawa's mayor, Jim Watson. He will no longer be Ottawa's mayor as of next week, but he is still now and he was during the convoy. So he'll be speaking. So will his chief of staff. The Ottawa city manager is expected to speak this week. Um, But we are also going to be hearing from a councillor who uh, reportedly had a certain amount of strife over the mayor and who was voted to be removed as the head of the Ottawa Police Services Board during the convoy because of all of this. Um, We are going to be starting to hear from police officers themselves. So um, a lot of wrangling and a lot of uh, tension existed between city and police officials and, and the various players that got roped mm-hmm. into the situation as it evolved. So we're going to be hearing about a lot of that back and forth in the days to come. There's certainly a logic in the way this has been laid out. So you, people, It seems like uh, Commissioner Paul Rouleau definitely has a strong concept of what he's trying to do here. Last Friday, telling those personal stories over the course of the next couple of days, hearing from people in Ottawa, the, the city police, city officials, because fundamentally the point of this inquiry is to decide why it came to the point of declaring the use of this act and also decide deciding prescriptively when is this is when this is appropriate to be used again in the future so the way they're doing this makes a lot of sense set the stage explain the conflict see what was going on at the city level as you start moving more towards bringing in federal figures 
Absolutely. And and it's worth noting, too, that there is going to be an element of circling back because one of his professed objectives on this is to talk about the aim and the scope of the protests themselves. And so protesters and protest organizers are also on the witness list. It is going to be, a, a, I think, a pretty broad uh, spectrum look at what happened there. And I, I think it's going to make for some very interesting coverage in, in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I'll be playing uh, as many clips as I can over the course of the uh, next couple of weeks as, as it's continuing. Again, it's public inquiry. So, so long yep. as there's kips, clips available for me to play, I will continue to try to share the highlights with folks as we move along. And I know your colleagues are working hard, probably in the press gallery every day. I was just going to say, any sound we can provide to the, the clients like you and the good listeners like you, uh, the more we will do. Michelle, the one other thing that I found out this weekend, as you and I both got to spend some time with one of our old journalist colleagues in the Ottawa neck of the woods, Kevin, is that there's going to be a people's inquiry going on simultaneously with this. It's not going to be going on to the same scale, but they've already done one particular uh, event where they talked about some of the accessibility concerns downtown. And basically once a week or once every couple of weeks, there's going to be a people's inquiry where they're going to be talking about what the actual impact was on the neighborhood. I must have missed that conversation because that's very cool and very interesting, but uh, something that we'll uh, try to bring more coverage of mm. and, and, and exposure to because that is a really interesting side development for sure. It was somewhere between my third and fourth tequila soda that uh, Kevin Kevin revealed that to me. So who knows? In that case, I commend your points. memory, Mr. Brown. Nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michelle, thank you for this. We'll talk to you on Friday for the news panel. Sounds great. Have a good week, everybody. That is Michelle McQuig, the weekend news editor with the Canadian Press. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.